This podcast is made possible by the generous support of RSM. RSM's purpose is to deliver the power of being understood to their clients, colleagues, and communities through world-class audit, tax, and consulting services focused on middle market businesses. The business world is evolving rapidly. In this fast-paced environment, RSM understands that you need an advisor who thinks ahead and rapidly responds to your changing needs. At RSM, they build strong relationships based on a deep understanding of what matters most to their clients. Welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Middle Market podcast. Today we're talking with Gormando's Alyssa Leononen. By the time the pandemic struck almost a year ago, Gormando had grown from a tiny Pike Place market cafe to making millions in revenues catering for Starbucks, private dinners of tech executives, and even fundraisers for presidential candidates. Between its deliveries and its offerings sold in cafes, the Seattle company, which was founded in 1996, was serving between 2,000 and 4,000 box lunches every day throughout the greater Seattle area. Since 2016, Gourmando's revenues have jumped more than 75% from just above $8 million to $14.2 million in 2018. That jump ranked Gourmando number 43 on the Business Journal's list of fastest growing private companies. The pandemic threatened all of that. The Seattle buildings Gourmando delivered to each day were empty. The cafes that sold its box lunches were shut down. And the tech workers and other executives who regularly ate Gourmando's lunches were now all working from home. Gourmando lost 80% of its revenue almost overnight and had to cut its staff. All of this happened when the company was in the middle of a move to a much larger Seattle facility. Leononen had to think fast if she was going to save her company. What she did next is surprising, as it is ingenious. She turned Gourmando, for now, into a nonprofit, partnering with area companies, food banks, and other service organizations to serve those in need. I talked with Leononen about the past 10 months, how she kept her company alive, and how to stay steady in a crisis. There was really no way that the pandemic and the ensuing economic shutdown wasn't going to hit your business really hard. How did you absorb what was happening, and how did you respond? Well, sure. I mean, things shifted quick and seismically. So, you know, we basically, that first weekend in March, when, um, you know, when it, when the first um, deaths were in here in Washington State at the assisted living facility, we came into work that Monday, and by Wednesday, we'd lost 80% of our business. And so when you and I had chatted the October prior in 2019, we were having a record year. We were, I think, four or five years in a row of 30% growth. I mean, it was, it was pretty extraordinary. And just a, we've got a dynamite team, and we had a really strong strategy going into 2020. And looking at um, another year of about 25% growth just with projects we had in deck and things we were doing. 
So, you know, we started out 2020 with a record January, record February, and feeling like, you know what, wow, this is going to be a barn burner of the year. And then it literally everything stopped that first weekend in March. You know, it reminded me kind of like musical chairs, like music stops and not sure if you've got a chair or not. And so I think that was the feeling initially was losing so much revenue so fast, you just took a minute to catch up to it. It was it was really surreal. And so I think there was two parts. First of all, it just happened so fast, and that was just across our industry. And then the second piece was, what are you going to do about it? And I think by Wednesday, I had realized, you know what, listen, everything's changing. Everything's going to look different. And, and there's just no, there's, there's no timeline around this that we can really kind of put a pin in, right? This is, this is going to be complicated. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time that night thinking, well, what does this look like? And for me, you know, I've been running my company for 24 years. I've had a lot of my crew with me for, you know, 14, 15 years, and I'm really committed to what we do and, and to, you know, to the teams and to our community. And so it was clear to me that we were going to, we were going to keep the doors open and we were going to try and meet this moment. And so I actually decided to move all of my savings and everything back into the company, shore up payroll, try and get things stable, and just start really thinking about, okay, where do we go from here? And so I met with my leadership team, and we, you know, I pulled the entire crew out into the parking lot that Thursday, and I said, you know, listen, we got to do a gut check, and we need to really be clear about what 2020 looks like and our commitment to, you know, on navigating through it. And I said, you know, my commitment to you is that we will keep this, we will keep the doors open and we will primarily and, and as the first priority, keep everybody safe. And you know what, I'm going to need people to be flexible, creative, gritty. This is not for the timid. Um, so think about it. And, you know, I don't want anybody here who's not really focused and energized about this because this is going to be a complicated year. And and they were amazing. Everybody's like, we got this. And I said, well, then we got to make a pact, all of us, that we're going to take care of each other. We're going to quarantine outside of work, and we're and I'm going to move this business, and we're going to we're going to keep the doors open. We're going to do it in the most meaningful way we can, and we're going to we're going to shift. We're going to shift from, you know, feeding corporate executives and business people to feeding those in need. And over the next couple of weeks, we started working with some of our largest corporate clients, and we did just that. We started providing meals for low-income elderly folks in the King County Seattle Housing Authorities in partnership with Amazon. And then um, we started a partnership with Fair Start in Amazon to produce meals for young school children and their families that are on assisted meal programs. So we had a huge facility that we were moving into. And so I, I, I really thought, you know what, it's, it's our opportunity to activate a larger space in a meaningful manner. You know, COVID is going to come and go, but if we can feel good about how we show up, then we're going to feel like we did our part. And, and so that was the mission and the goal in 2020. And, and you know, we just kind of tallied it up, and we've served over half a million meals to the community in need through these different partnerships. I'm really proud of what we've done. Um, so we've, we've been fortunate in that regard. So you pivoted 100% to philanthropic efforts. 
Well, it's interesting. We pivoted, I would say, the majority of our resources and our talent into partnering with nonprofits and philanthropic work. But we still continue to work hard to create and innovate for our core clients. So we really reset the way we were delivering product. We were now delivering to homes and catering. We were kind of creating little offerings like party in a box, where you'd get our top seven or eight appetizers all in one little to-go box with a menu card on top. We built little cocktail flights to go with it. So, you know, once again, I mean, I was so proud of the teams and how creative and innovative they were and just how, you know, not only were they willing to do what it took to take care of the community, but also really get creative and figure out how to reset and, and really elevate our offerings in this new COVID environment. So we were working hard kind of on both fronts. Um, and, um, and, you know, you, you cannot underestimate the depth of value and talent. And, you know, that really is the magic of Gormando is, is the teams. Mm -hmm. And you've got, I mean, you've got some, some world-class people there. Um, we do. You, you know, in, in your kitchen, some, some people who are just absolutely incredible with food. Thank you. Yeah, no, we've been very fortunate. We've had James Beard finalists in our kitchen. We currently do. We've got, you know, really highly acclaimed chefs, and um, and they're inspiring. And so having them leading the kitchen really gets everybody, I think, um, you know, fully invested. Everybody's learning. Everybody's growing their craft. And um, we're, we're very fortunate that in our space in catering, we can have that level of talent. And so I feel like I have an obligation to make sure that they get to do exciting work and stay creative. And I think that's how we sustain our brand, and that's how we really work hard to remain relevant. So we provided, I think, over 150,000 meals to the residents of the elderly residents of the King County and Seattle Housing Authorities, and that was a really extraordinary program for us. And that was in partnership with Amazon, who was a larger client of ours, and they had reached out early in the pandemic, and they said, "Hey." We know you guys have a big facility, and you know you've, we've worked with you for years. We've got this project. Would you be interested in, in helping us with it? And I said we'd be honored. I mean, we'd absolutely be thrilled. And so it's a great opportunity for us to utilize our teams and our facility to to provide meals. And, and we did it at cost. And you know we we provided over 100,000, 150,000 meals to those residents that were sheltering in place that couldn't get to the food banks and couldn't get out to get. Um, any other, um, you know, food resources um, early in the pandemic, I suppose, in April and May. So it was a really exceptional project. And then, you know, we shifted um, to, to look, okay, now where's the need now that things were lifting and people weren't sheltering in place as much. And once again, Amazon, who's really been a great a client of ours and partner of ours, they started shifting and looking at, okay, now we got to take a look at these school kids. I mean, we've got school children who, you know, they, they've been on assisted meal programs. They can't get that meal support in the schools anymore. They're going to go back onto online learning. And so that's when we were engaged with Fair Start to partner with them. And once again, you know, they said, are you up for it? And I said, absolutely. I mean, we would, we'd be honored. We'd love to. We just want to be a part of the solution right now. I think that's the best thing we can do. I happen to be in an industry that can provide meals, and there's never been a, a time where the need is greater. And so that's um, that's been our priority, you know, is, is just feeding as many people as we can, um, doing what we love. And we've been fortunate that we've, we've been able to do that. And, and actually, we did a, a really 
a really great project with Nordstrom as well. Um, we worked with them to provide about 1,200 meals to the frontline workers at Seattle Children's Hospital. We did that over a two-week period. And so we've had, you know, a few of these different corporate partners, you know, um, come in and say, hey, you know, we, we want to help the community as well. And you guys provide food. Let's figure out how we can do it together. And so they've been wonderful projects and it makes me really proud, obviously, to be a part of this city and part of this community that really does care about each other. Mm-hmm. You know, did the, did the nonprofits ask that the meals include Absolutely. You know, certain nutritional things. Yep. yep, absolutely. We worked in really close collaboration with the chefs at Fair Start, and they are spectacular too. I mean, Fair Start, they set the gold standard for, you know, philanthropic and nonprofit, nonprofit work, providing meals, um, and, and training to people in need. So they're, they're just spectacular. And, and I would say that that really has been the silver lining for us of COVID is that it's made it really clear to me that you know, as we move past COVID, we need to continue our commitment to these nonprofits, and so we're really looking to build a division of Gormando that continues long after COVID to support nonprofits um, that are, you know, taking care of our community and, and providing meals, and, and, that, and that's our commitment as we move through this. So I, I think that's something that's become really important. We've always been a mission-based company, and, and I've always really wanted to make sure that we prioritize the way we give and give back on a daily basis. It's not like a, it's not a promotion. It's not a marketing piece, you know, or an event. We do it every day. We have a line of six box lunches, and they're called the giving boxes. And each box lunch is associated different numbers, whether it's treehouse or child haven, youth care. And um, box lunches just a percentage of those proceeds goes back to the nonprofit because it was really important to me that as a company, we were all invested in giving back to causes that we were passionate about, you know, and we're really, we're strong advocates for youth and for, um, you know, um, giving people opportunities. And so we, you know, we selected different nonprofits that we were passionate about. And so every month, no matter what, you know, we're donating and we're giving back. And um, that's been a really positive experience, um, you know, not only for employees who feel like, you know, they're everyday contributing to a cause, but I also think it's, it's been meaningful to our clients, which was something I don't think I fully understood until after we, you know, um, launched the line, how much it would resonate with customers, because I do think that customers want to invest in products with purpose, and so it really feels like it's a win-win. That's really neat. And... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, one question I had about the the portion of your business that's still up and running that resembles yep. more the pre-COVID model. You met, you mentioned right. a party in a in a box kind of thing. Yes. And nobody, I, if we're listening to the governor, nobody's really supposed to be having parties. So how does that work? Yeah. Like, what is the the demand for that? Well, everything's really shifted to virtual. So seeing is. That's why all these little parties in the box are individually packaged. We're really only ever going to send two or three to a location. And so a lot of our business will do team building events. We'll do some virtual cooking for their teams at home. They've got, you know, different stand-up meetings or launches or what have you. And and now I think what they're what they've been creatively sort of figuring out is, you know, 
we can let's let's give them a meal, right? So when we have these meetings, you know, we can celebrate with food, or you know, we can work through, um, you know, the lunch hour and provide a meal. So instead of you know dropping off 50 box lunches, you know, in a in an office building in a uh, conference room, we're sending them to 50 different locations. So it's interesting, and and we're just seeing that you know. It's funny, we have to get out of the box to get in the box, right? We had to really think, okay, how do we provide products that are relevant, um, you know, today? And so I would say 90% of what we, product that we are selling and moving is all individually packaged, individual serving items. Um, and we're having a lot of fun building up that line. I mean, the chefs have been really creative. and. I think, you know, being able to kind of come into some really fun cocktail flights and custom create little craft cocktails has been also really fun. So, so lots of innovation and creativity, which, which is always exciting. I, I would imagine there's a, there's a logistics issue there, whereas before you would be delivering to a, you know, a single event, and that's right. more of a, a delivery van kind of thing with, yep. you know, capacity and one stop. Yeah. This turns your the delivery part of your business more into like an Uber Eats where you're just going around to people's yeah. homes. So how, how did that affect how you do things and prepare for that? Well, we were very fortunate that we had a large fleet pre-pandemic and we had a really, really strong group of drivers. So we had about 25 vehicles and 40 drivers and they're bionic. I mean, these guys know the city like the back of their hands and they're all about food safety, food handling. And so um, as we were shifting to individual drops versus large drops for multiple people, um, we could change out the delivery windows because a lot of times people just needed them by the afternoon. And since they're home all day doing, you know, um, work, you, your delivery window went from, you know, 11 to 11.30 to, hey, just get it to a same time between 10 and 4. So it allowed us to really um, be able to expand the number of drops we could do in a day because pre-pandemic we would, we would deliver 200 stops within two hours. So that was pretty intense. And now, you know, we can do 300 stops and we've got a much larger window, which is helpful too. So, you know, I think we're constantly kind of adjusting as we're seeing, you know, where, where the needs are. And um, we've, we've, um, you know, we've got a great, we've got a great distribution team and delivery crew. And so they've, they've, they've been very creative in the solutions. Wow. And did um, just in terms of the the impact of this on your business, um, mm-hmm. have you, have your revenues taken uh, a big hit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, we like I said, you know, we lost eighty percent of our core business within the first forty eight hours, and I would say that that core business is still down. I mean, we're we're still down. I would say maybe even close to seventy percent from where we were pre pandemic. But I also, you know, the work we're doing, just supporting the community, the nonprofit work we're doing, that's keeping the teams activated and engaged. And so uh, we're still producing at a high capacity, but our our pre-COVID sales mix is just wildly different. Um, and we've been fortunate that we've been able to retain, you know, about 100 employees through this pandemic. So I'm really proud of, you know, being able to kind of 
continue to provide opportunities for, for our teams. Um, and they really haven't at the moment. They've been incredible. That's great. Have you, have you had to let people go? We we did. You know, pre-pandemic, we had 253 employees. So we had to, we had a pretty intense restructure early into the pandemic. Um, and that was tough. You know, it was really, really hard. And, you know, our commitment is to kind of move through this so that we can bring back a lot of these really, really talented employees and, and team members. But, um, you know, it's just you have to do what you have to do when you, when you don't have the revenue. And, you know, the city's in lockdown. So you have to make those very difficult decisions. And I, I think what I've learned is it's really important when you make them that you make them with a lot of empathy and you have to move fairly swiftly. And so, you know, I personally sat in on any layoffs we did. I wanted to, you know, show my respect and appreciation. And I think, you know, we we just we have to be respectful of each other um, as we go through this. So you know you just you have to continue to show up even in a really really uncomfortable painful time. Mm -hmm. Are you hopeful that people will be coming back and that they'll be available to come back as you know, we come out the other end of this thing? I am. I am. You know we we keep a really strong rapport with you know with our employees that you know. Are, are not currently with us. Um, we continue to communicate with everybody. And I also think that after this pandemic, you're going to see the city really reactivate. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities. And we're already looking at a lot of really fun and exciting and interesting opportunities, you know, into the, you know, the third and fourth quarter of 2021. So, you know, we're you know, we're really positive um, and we're excited about, you know, what what the city looks like and where the opportunities are going as we move through this pandemic. And, you know, I think right now for us what's important is that we feel proud of the work we're doing and we feel like we're making an impact. And um, that's, that's been our commitment in 2020. So, I mean, I, I know people pivot in different ways and some people pivot into creative new business, you know, um, you know, models and they kind of created what they think might be really relevant to right now. I, I think what we did is rather than change our business model, we just looked for the customer that needed it most. And then that's where we went and, and that's what we provided for. Hmm. Did you consider doing pop-ups or anything like that, like other folks have done? You know, we really didn't, yeah, just because of our business model, you know, and catering um, and, and all the package product work that we do, we, we just kind of stuck with, you know, where we run in our wheelhouse. Um, so, no, we actually did not do any pop-ups. I mean, we did some fun different projects, like we would do home cooking kits and CSA boxes. So we had some fun different offerings, but we never did any real pop-ups. Yeah. It, did you guys um... – Looked at the the PPP program or any of the uh, federal programs. Uh, to we keep did, the doors open. yeah, we did, and that is actually one of the fundamental reasons we were able to keep the doors open is that you know we did, we did have a PPP loan, and that helped us keep so many team members on payroll when we lost you know so much of our revenue. So that that was a really impactful program, and it really helped us kind of stabilized and really kind of drive through this you know, in a healthy manner, keeping the company really healthy and keeping the teams, you know, engaged was definitely critical. How was the experience of 
getting the loan, understanding, you know, the parameters there. Um, how was how was all of that to navigate? Well, you know, I think in, I would say in the beginning, I think it was challenging for everyone because it was. I think all the banks were trying to catch catch up quickly and figure out, okay, what's the best, you know, how, how do we structure this properly? What's the breath, what's the best protocols for this? How do we move move our clients through this? And we were fortunate that we've got a really really strong controller. He's he's just extraordinary, and he was working very close with our bank and with our banker just to really make sure that we were getting all the information quickly, and then we were tracking everything, too. I mean, I think everybody has to do their part and pay attention and be smart and make sure that, you know, you've got all your ducks in a row um, so that once everything got activated and portals were live and you could move, that you could move quickly. Um, and so we were fortunate to be able to do that. Sounds like, I mean, you say you partnered with Amazon and, and a number of other folks. It, it sounded mm-hmm. like they were providing the funding and so keeping revenues were, going for you so that so that you could – you could provide the food. Did I get so, that right? Yeah. So basically, we would work on different sort of um, – so we'd work on a project basis, and we're really just covering the cost. So I basically shifted Gormano into nonprofit for 2020. You know, the idea was mm-hmm. how can we just keep the teams activated and really make sure that we're providing as many meals as we can and, and utilizing our facility. We've got a 25,000-square-foot commercial kitchen facility that's been USDA-built. And we currently have WSPA certification, so we have an incredibly high standard for food safety, food handling, and um, you know we just wanted to make sure that we were keeping as many employees, you know, on the payroll and working hard. And so, you know, um, with the Fair Start project, Fair Start would provide the food, and we're providing the labor, and we're doing all of the production. So, um, you know, once again, it's 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 really this nonprofit work, but it's super meaningful for us, and and it's been a great way for us to feel like we're you know helping the community. Well, that's fantastic, and people ate it incredibly well. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I'll tell you one of the one of the one of the fun projects we did was for the housing authorities. Is when we had talked to Amazon, Amazon had given us a budget, you know, to make sure that we could produce these meals, and I said, well do I have some flexibility in the menu? And they're like, you got some flexibility. And I'm like, because I want this to be special. I don't want to just send them a sandwich. I want them to have nice entrees. I want them to feel like they're a big deal and that they're appreciated. And, you know, so if you don't mind, you know, I'd like to see what we can come up with. And, you know, after that, I called a bunch of our, you know, our food vendor partners like Mondo's Meats and Borakini Foods. And, you know, we worked with, um, with Charlie's Produce and a variety of others. And they were amazing. And I just said, listen, we've got this really important project. Have you got anything right now that, that you've got a deal that you need to kind of move through? What do you got? And everybody, everybody participated. And just seeing the food together, we were able to send out beef tenderloin, you know, and salmon. I mean, really beautiful meals. So that really felt like a labor of love. And, and it was just nice to see everybody coming together to, to help these folks and providing something, you know, that we felt was really high quality and, and special. And you were in the middle of a move to a bigger facility when the pandemic started in March, right? Well, it was so ironic. It was so crazy. When the pandemic hit, I was in the middle of a huge move. I was moving my facility from 15,000 square feet to 25,000 square feet. And I'm losing 80% of my revenue. And I'm like, 
oh, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, this is not happening. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm, I'm sort of catching up to all of it. I'm thinking, well, here we are. So now what are we going to do with the facility? You know, I'm going to have to make the most of it because I'm committed to it. We're doing it. It's happening. And so what was really, once again, kind of the silver lining in all of this is this really great nonprofit work because we had so much more equipment, so much more space, refrigeration, freezers. We could activate all of that, and it allowed us to do it in a way that we could have some real economies of scale. We would not have been able to provide so many meals or have done these projects without this much stronger, larger facility. So it just seemed to make sense to me as we were you know, moving through it. This needs to be a part of our business plan. This just needs to be a part of how we operate post-pandemic, and we've had conversations with Veristart on how best we can support them as we move pandemic, um, but, but that's important that, that we continue to partner you know, with nonprofits to do what we can. And uh, when we last talked, I think you were, you were in Soto. Where yes. did you move to? So we're, we are now down on Airport Way South, so we're a little bit more into, uh, closer into the city. So it's, it's a great location. We love it. Um, it's definitely been a game changer for us as far as having so much more equipment and space. It just gives us a lot more capabilities. And, and like I said, you know, we're real excited about, you know, what this second half of 2021 looks like and, and just the fact that we've got great resources. And, and I've been, you know, historically very conservative with uh, my company and how I've grown it, even though I've grown it aggressively at times. I've been really careful about how we manage our finances. So we were fortunate that we were in a strong position when we came into the pandemic, even with the move. So, you know, we're in it to win it. And, you know, I, my you know, the way I have run Gormando, it's always, you know, I play a very long game, you know, and I think it's really important that as we move through COVID that we're mindful of a very long game and that people aren't kind of making decisions in the moment, you know, knee-jerk reactions. I mean, you, you need to be able to sustain, you know, and focus and look outside of just kind of what's right in front of you. And I, and I, I think that's been really important for us as we kind of keep moving through it. That's yeah. I I I love discussions about the long game and what that looks like. Um, I, it's harder I remember though the, sometimes it creates anxiety. You know, you just want to like, oh, fix it now, make this, you know, change it, change it, change it. But that can be a really, really dangerous distraction. If you keep pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and changing and changing and changing, you're never really catching up, and you tend to get really distracted. And then when COVID's gone, you know, you, you, you can be vulnerable to losing your brand or losing kind of your genius zone or, or, you know, kind of so much of what you've built. So you've got to be careful to balance that, in my opinion. You know, I think having done this for 24 years, I think know what you do best. Don't lose sight of that. Take what you do best and adjust that to where you see the moment taking you, right? But... I, I think it can be dangerous to completely reinvent yourself in times like this. I think mm -hmm. you have to be careful. And from a head game perspective, how do you stay steady when you're, you're losing 80% of your revenues in the, in the middle of a move to a larger facility? <laughs> I know. You know, I think 
you know, initially for me, I just went a little numb, you know, and then, and then after that, I thought, you know, I'm going to leave from the gut here. I'm going to go with what I believe is right, what feels right. I've been doing this a long time. You know, it's just going to be bumpy, and we're just going to have to persevere through. And if we're going to do it, we've got to do it, you know, together. And we've got to, you know, we've got to make sure that the teams are aligned and we're focused and, you know, really find ways to get excited and feel like there's purpose in what we're doing. I think for us that's been critical because I think in times like this, it's really easy to feel lost and overwhelmed and um, disconnected. And I think that's dangerous. I mean, I think you really have to take a look at these times. And I keep saying it, but I'm like, figure out how you're going to show up. You know, I mean, I really want all my employees after this to be able to tell their kids how they, you know, what they did in the pandemic, you know, how we help. Um, I think that's important. And I think, you know, money comes and goes, but if you're passionate about what you're doing and you believe in it, that's what's going to sustain you. That's what gets you up in the morning, right? And so that's really what, you know, what we've, we've focused on as we've navigated this. This has been a great discussion. Thank you so much for being here. I'm honored to be included and, and, uh, you know, super excited. So I really appreciate you thinking of me for, for the conversation.